It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I am your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by some very special repeater guests, two fellow coaches from the Office of Personalized Learning, Kristen Logan and Dr. Sarah Bowie. Ladies, welcome back again. Thanks. Thanks, Carrie. All right. So today we're going to be talking about tips and strategies for supporting our leaders. As we're getting ready to get started with the school year, we know that there are several questions that sometimes circulate when we're talking to schools and districts regarding how to lead this work in the most effective way. So in today's episode, we're going to kind of tackle some of those questions and hopefully get you some inspiration and some answers to get started on your upcoming school year. So we'll start off with the first question, which I'll pose to you, Kristen. How does a school actually get started with personalized competency-based learning as a school-wide approach? What's the best way for a school to get started? I would say there's a couple of things. First of all, um, maybe starting by taking stock of what is already being done well by the teachers, um, because chances are there are a lot of things that your teachers are already doing that align to the different pieces in our framework, um, like goal setting and conferencing and just putting students at the center. So just take stock of of what teachers are doing well. um, And that way you can build from that point um, as a, you know, using like a strengths-based approach. The other thing I would say is once you kind of have an idea of what what currently exists in in your school, I would say look for connections with our SCPCBL framework. Um, And we have two kind of like favorite activities that we like to do, but there's lots of ways you can engage with it. One is something called a chalk talk. So just getting people to wrap their minds around the different components of the framework and see what connections they can make. Um, And that chalk talk is kind of like a a way to allow everyone's voice to be heard through a written conversation. So that's one thing that we really like to do because people are able to make their own, own connections, have everyone participate, and a lot of great things come out of that. The other thing that we like to do is this um, activity called a card sort. Um, We have resources available, but you can make your own in your own setting. And the idea is to to look at um, different resources um, and examples of artifacts from South Carolina educators to see how they connect to the framework. So if you have a goal setting template, you know, what does that connect with? Does it connect with student ownership? Does it connect with competency-based learning or learner profiles? And so allowing um, the different, the educators to make connections with visual artifacts sometimes helps them realize, okay, I am doing a lot of these things or, oh, I would like to try that thing out next. Um, And so that really gives kind of a, an easy in um, to finding some connections to our framework. The last thing I would say is kind of once there's been um, some level setting done, it's really good to start off uh, with sort of a a vision for where you want to head and what you want your school to look like. Um, It's really important to be clear and transparent with your educators so they kind of know what they're aiming for, even though it might take a while to get there, kind of like your North Star. Um, So those would be a couple things I would say to get started. Awesome. I think those are great tips. And it kind of leads me into my next question, which I'll kick to you, Sarah. So a lot of schools and districts already have a lot of uh, initiatives that they've already established, such as AVID, Leader in Me, et cetera, et cetera. The list can go on. And a question that we oftentimes get is, if I'm starting to dabble into um, personalized competency-based learning as an approach, Will it clash with or compete with other initiatives that I already have going on? Or 
will my teachers see this as one other thing that they have to do on top of whatever else is already happening in my district? That's a a great question, Carrie, and we do get that one a lot. And whenever a school official or a teacher or anyone asks me that question, I always say, well, what is your vision? Kind of like what Kristen was just saying for your school or for your district. If that vision is aligned to um, student-centered practices that truly do place the student at the hub of everything that you're doing, then personalized learning is not going to compete with anything that you're doing. Um, I think that the the times when it kind of rubs a little bit is some programs, some curricula do not necessarily put a child at the center. Um, and so part of our job is to, to look at that curriculum, not just our job as the Office of Personalized Learning, but our job as educators and, and experts in our field is to look at what our districts are using and, and have them tweak to fit what our students need and what our teachers need. So you can implement with fidelity, but you can implement with fidelity to your students and their needs as well. So it's not just taking a personalized learning. We always say, we're not going to back up the moving truck to your classroom and unbox personalized learning for you. Um, It's very much, although we have our framework, it's very much a a mindset shift um, before it's really a pedagogical shift. So thinking about, well, is this going to... Um, compete with other programs or things that I have within my school. Um, we've led schools and teams through a, a process where we look at everything. Let's look at everything together and let's really group what is similar. And can we put it all underneath this umbrella of maybe even not personalized learning, but students at the center or doing what's best for kids or whatever your overarching umbrella is? How does personalized learning not compete with other programs, but enhance and make them that much better? Mm, I love that. Thank you for clearing that up, because that is a question we oftentimes get from educators. So speaking of that piece, let's talk about professional development. I know sometimes that can be a sticky topic, um, but when it comes to really moving the work of personalized competency-based learning forward, it's very important to have a strategy for your PD for teachers. So Kristen, my next question is, what's the best way or collection of ways, because I'm sure there's more than one way to do this, but what's the best way or method to structure professional development in a way that meets the diverse needs of teachers and also helps them to truly learn how to model the model for students, as we like to say? Yeah, that's a good question, Carrie. Um, I think just like with our students, um, we need to treat our teachers as learners. And so one really good place to start is using some sort of a needs survey or some sort of an opportunity for a self-assessment to kind of get a gauge on what exactly is it that my, where are my teachers um, and what do they need next? Um, If you don't do that, you're kind of flying blind and, and, and possibly guessing and maybe choosing to do something that's one size fits all, or it might just, it might be a variety of options, but it doesn't actually meet anyone's needs. So if you can um, provide them an opportunity to ask them what they need, one resource that we have that um, can be super valuable are our one point rubrics that help teachers kind of identify where they are in their journey with PCBL. And so that could be a tool that they use to figure out if they're exploring or implementing or scaling and spreading and what skills do they already have and what do they want to do next? And again, it's kind of mimicking that idea of if we want our teachers to be able to provide personalized opportunities for their kids in the classroom, we also want the teachers to experience it themselves. So one, that they know what it feels like 
And two, then they can replicate that in their in their classroom. Um, some ways we've seen that done is, um, you know, whether a coach or an admin is developing some sort of a choice board um, of some sort where teachers can choose the different opportunities um, that they want to engage in so that they're relevant and meaningful to them. Um, if you're not ready for a full-on choice board, we've also seen where like, you know, they just cho choose two to three different options or avenues um, where they can go down a different path and, and do some, you know, engaging in specific things that are targeted still within the, that big umbrella that, you know, Sarah was mentioning. And some of those choices, that's really important to kind of think about your teachers as far as the spectrum that they could be on. You want to give them learning opportunities, but also leading opportunities. So if you have educators that are in your in your building um, that are further along in their journey, giving them the, an opportunity to showcase their learning as a way to lead professional development um, in in the context. So you know, empowering um, and building capacity of those in our building. And then I think you know also just complementing that with coaching cycles. Um, you know, you've got your personalized PD, which could be your inputs, but also making sure that you're doing coaching cycles um, on as on an as need basis, or just you know, if you're if you're seeing some trends through some learning walks, um, I think would be a, a really good step into personalizing um, PD for teachers. Awesome, and you touched on two things that are we're actually going to dig a little bit deeper into. So I'll kick it to you next, Sarah. Kristen mentioned something just now about empowering teacher leaders. And we know leveraging our teacher leaders is a super crucial and important part of scaling and spreading this work. What are some other ways that you think leaders can empower their teacher leaders when it comes to personalized competency-based learning? So I think the first step after, you know, Kristen mentioned like doing a needs assessment is also I always believe that empowerment comes from autonomy. And that doesn't mean that everyone just gets to do whatever they want. Of course, as a school, you're probably going to set school goals of where you want to go in one year, three years, five years. So you have, you know, some, some structure within it. But too often we bring things to teachers and say, do this. And we give them no voice in how they're going to do it. Um, and so that autonomy, the, the less that it's there, the less the teacher is going to feel empowered. Um, and that empowerment piece, before I go into some specifics, is, is not just you get to choose what you're going to do. And if it goes well, good job. The other part is I, as a leader, trust you. I'm going to empower you to make these decisions. And if you fail, good job. Like to just continuously trust that teachers are going to try something and fail at it because they will. Different iterations of this. You, know, you just have to try some different ways of doing it. That teacher is going to feel that much more empowered, not just when he or she is succeeding within personalized learning, but when things don't go so well either. Um, so outside of that mindset, some other ways to empower teachers, um, you know, Kristen mentioned letting them lead some PD within different parts of the framework. If they feel really confident about pathways and they love how their pathways are going, then let's open up the floor to letting them show others. I also, I'm thinking specifically of Sterling School in Greenville County School District, where that principal there, Dr. Josh Patterson, trusted two teachers who I would consider teacher leaders to pilot some standards-based learning this last semester of this school year. So even before that school is going to try to go all in with this, two teachers saying, we want to try this, can we? And, and saying yes. So, so saying the yes and instead of no, we can't do that part of it, um, I think is important. So not necessarily always having to do a pilot classroom, but that is one way um, to empower a teacher leader 
to say that I trust you to try something new and, and, and that if it's okay, if it goes well, great. And if it doesn't, that's all right too. Um, so I'd say that's one way. Um, and then another way would be letting teachers go to see each other, not just within the building, but outside of the building too, and providing that time for them. Because if we can only do so much on our own and feel empowered on our own, but when we learn from others, that that collective network of our personalized SC network is so crucial to our teachers doing well and, and feeling supported, not just empowered, but supported too in this kind of work. So, and I know it's hard. I know the teacher shortage and substitute teachers are hard to find, but, but we can make the time. We can be creative and find a way to let our teachers get out and see what's going on and bring some of those ideas back to the school instead of always bringing in outside people. Let them go out. Let them go to some of our schools. Hopefully our inquiry labs are going to be up and running next year where you get to come into schools and see what a personalized learning school does. Like let your teachers come and then let them bring those ideas back. Oh, I love all of those suggestions. Those are awesome, awesome. So next, let's talk about coaching. Um, I understand that across our state, um, there are some schools that have coaches. There are some schools where the admin is the coach. There are some schools that don't have coaches at all. But when it comes to this work of personalizing learning and supporting teachers and in scaling that work, we have found that coaching is extremely crucial. But my question for you, Kristen, is, what does effective coaching look like in this work with teachers? Carrie, I'm really glad you actually brought up the point about this may not specifically be for a coach, but somebody who's just in a coaching role. So that could be a teacher leader who's coaching a fellow teacher. It could be a coach themselves. It could be an admin who's coaching, you know, different um, groups of teachers. Um, and so I just want to say right off the bat that this applies to anybody who is leading or coaching someone else um, in this work. Um, and so what that looks like, um, as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, is that it should be learner-centered. Of course, you know, you want the coaching to be aligned to the goals that the school has set. But just like with students, every every educator is in you know, on their own journey. And so making sure that they um, have a say in that in the coaching process. And really, it should be more heavy, um, uh, heavy of a lift on them in terms of um, making decisions and and figuring out what they want to do. And the coaching being more using questioning to figure out what they need next and, and helping guide their thinking. So less of less of a um, of a heavy coaching and more of a light coaching aspect of that. And so what that might look like is, you know, you know, we're all familiar with the, the 4.0 rubric. And so using that level four um, of that rubric and looking at the descriptors and asking the teacher to talk about their strengths and areas of growth. And within that lens, then that can allow us to think about, well, what, you know, PL practices do I want to start working on next? And if the you know, educator that we're coaching can can have the autonomy in saying what they want to work on, and maybe have may, they may have ideas on how they want to start working on it. And if not, that is that's another way a coach can step in and provide some suggestions on on where to head. So definitely very heavy on the educator themselves making decisions. 
But I think another piece of coaching this work is, as you said earlier, Carrie, modeling the model. The educators have to experience what it's like for them as a learner to be in a learner-centered environment. And so as I'm coaching in my different, you know, small group PD sessions or in one-on-one, I need to be able to allow those opportunities for for teachers to experience it so that they know um, what it feels like and how how to maybe transfer that. And if they don't know how to transfer it, asking the coach, about their decision-making in planning that that professional development. The last thing I'd say to Sarah's point, as far as, you know, that idea of taking risks. So coaching this work, um, like Sarah said, there are going to be failures, but, you know, if they're comfortable with taking risks and there's an environment or a culture there that accepts that, it makes it a lot easier. And, And those feedback cycles Um, are super, super important. So that way the teachers feel like they are ready to come to the coach and say, hey, I tried this. It went horrible. Or I tried this and it went great. Um, And being able to figure out what next steps are based on what the teacher saw in their classroom. So those are a couple of things I'd say in terms of, you know, coaching the work and what it might look like. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. 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 All right. Next, let's talk about a question that we oftentimes get from some of our leaders who are really passionate about this work. One question that we get is, how do I get buy-in from my teachers and ensure that the teachers are also committed to this work as well? I think the first thing that I might say is um, it's always important to start with the the coalition of the willing. I know our office uses that a lot of times um, when we're thinking about buy-in. Sometimes it's not all about making everyone do everything all at the same time. That's not always the, the, the easiest approach. Um, and so I think first thinking about who's willing, who's able, who's ready. Um, and then, you know, then starting to think about, um, you know, how to target and look at the different like groupings of, of educators and where they are in their journey. Um, Sarah, I don't know if you want to jump in. Um, so yeah, coalition of the willing, most definitely. And understanding that uh, personalized competency-based learning isn't a curriculum change. It's not a discipline program we're going to try. It's not anything like that. So when we talk about second order change, right? These big kinds of changes, knowing that you're not necessarily going to have this smooth linear path of of everything going just great. So assuming that you're going to get commitment from everyone right at the beginning is not a realistic um, goal. So like Kristen said, having a coalition of the willing, thinking about where everyone's starting and being okay with that. A lot of our schools and districts start with a um, year of just exploration, And that's okay to let people explore, um, maybe do a book study or two around um, this topic. And and that helps the school or the district as a whole kind of firm up what does PCBL look like in our context, Um, which if you try to just dive in before defining what everything looks like for you and your students in your district, it's it's not going to get commitment or buy-in from anyone. So having that exploration year and being okay with that and knowing that this kind of change can take three to five years to fully implement and being okay with that. Because in education, a lot of the times it's very, we want right now to see what it looks like fully implemented and and we go too fast too soon. So knowing that that's going to be okay um, and knowing that it's also going to be okay if some teachers decide not to continue in your school or district if this isn't the best fit for them, like being okay with that. And I would say the last thing, formative feedback from your teachers 
and your parents and your students as you're going through this process. So a lot of the times when we implement something new and we want buy-in from people, we implement and we never check back to see formally, how is this going for you? What's working? What's not working? Um, And even though we do want teacher buy-in, teachers are influenced by the students, the parents, and other stakeholders too. So making sure we have that feedback cycle. um, And even though it's hard to hear negative feedback, listening to them and, and, and thinking, what can I do to adjust? Is this something that I can adjust as a leader? Um, and, and put truly put my teachers first, like I would put my students first. So if leaders, if there's no other theme that we're really kind of hammering home with this episode, it's that your teachers are your learners. So if you are not centering them and their needs and the way you would expect them to do for their students, um, then you're not going to get the buy-in, just like we don't get student engagement like we want when we don't personalize it for them as well. So I'd say it's not a guarantee but some of these things can help at least increase the amount of commitment that you'll have from your teachers. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, let's say we have a school, a singular school, and they are heavily engaged in PCBL practices, but they want to figure out ways to best communicate and advocate for these practices at the district level. What is the best way for them to go about doing that? I know one piece of advice I would give is. Uh, First, kind of knowing your your district and how it operates, like what are those existing opportunities where voices are heard as far as when when do schools typically share what's going well in their building Um, and and leveraging those opportunities instead of trying to create a separate space to share what's going on, use existing opportunities, um, whether it's, you know, district coaches meetings or principal meeting, you know, and and provide, you know, the what's going well with, with your school at that time and give specifics. And then the other piece that I would say, just once you know what those opportunities are, also thinking about um, kind of your, your, your pitch, your messaging, um, and think about, you know, if, if our target is, the you know, to for all students to achieve the profile of the South Carolina graduate, kind of specific talking points that you want to prove as far as like what's going on in your school and how that allows your students to achieve that profile. I would say those would be two little nuggets. Um, Sarah, what else would you add? Um, I would say from my data nerd side that (laughs) boards are like any other, our district level people as well are like any other um, higher level education um, entity. They like data, but data does not always have to just be achievement scores. So I know we had a school in Edgeville County where the principal um, of that school, they've been implementing some elements of PCBL. And one piece of her data was how fewer copies they were using. I mean, even, even that just there, and how much money are we saving by not having to make all of these copies and moving into learning experiences that are more geared towards kids in this kind of way. So, so collect some data, even if it's your, your first year, even if you're just exploring, can you give out a survey to kids and, and ask them how it's going and what they like about it. Um, and really having a balance of, of numbers and then like some story data too. Um, record some kids talking about what they like about this kind of approach. Those, those kinds of things, you know, balance the, the left side of the brain with the right side, right? Left side, give me those numbers. Let me see some, some applicable data. And again, that can be lots of different things. Um, and at the same time, 
what are the heartwarming kinds of stories that, that truly show the impact of this on a day-to-day level for a child, for a parent, for a teacher? Um, and presenting those, like Kristen said, with everything else as well, I think makes a really like powerful package for district level um, people to, to see both sides of what's really going on. Awesome. Well, thank you ladies so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I know that some information tips and tricks have been shared today that will definitely help our leaders as they're transitioning into this next school year. Um, one other thing I would Two other things I wanted to kind of shout out is that here at the Office of Personalized Learning, we are here for you if you need one-on-one coaching, if you need a thought partner and you're a leader and you're trying to figure out how to approach this work, please feel free to reach out to any coach within our office for that support. And my final question for you ladies is if we have any listeners who would like to get in touch with you or follow you, um, see the awesome posts that you're posting on Twitter, um, with all the cool work happening in our state, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? So for me on Twitter, I'm at DocBooie1. And yeah, I'm on Twitter a good bit and follow probably a lot of you too. So I'm retweeting your stuff as well. Um, and then uh, by email too, which I'm sure Carrie can, can list in the episode notes, our um, personalized learning website, and you can reach me that way as well. And my Twitter handle is at Keefe727. Um, and my email will also be listed in the notes for this episode. Awesome. And one final thing. If you have any other questions that we did not answer in this episode, please feel free to email us on our email that I will link in the description. Thanks again for coming. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!